Hey there, it's Eloisa, your host of The Truth, the podcast where we hear from some of the most extraordinary women who talk about business strategy, entrepreneurship, industry trends, and so much more. We're here to uncover what truly happens behind the scenes and on the journey to leadership because a door opened for these women and we're making sure that that door stays open. Today's guest is Jonalyn Morris, co-founder and chief development officer at Obsessed, a sports marketplace that connects consumers and top athletes through personalized video messaging and live stream online classes. Under her leadership, Obsessed has built a roster of top sports talent, NCAA athletes, Olympians, and more who tap into Obsessed to monetize their skills and talents and build their personal brands. In her prior life, Jonalyn led PR and marketing efforts for THQ Wireless launching the first mobile games for every major sports league, including the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and WWE. I'm so excited for you all to hear her story. Welcome, Jonalyn. Well, let's kind of go ahead and get started here. Jonalyn, I am so excited for you to be a part of the drift. Thank you so much for, for taking some time to come on. And I'm excited for everybody to be able to hear your story and also what you've been up to in this space. So I guess to kind of go ahead and kick us off here, can you share with us a little background on yourself and how did you get to where you are today? Sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. Uh, as a Boston native and huge sports fan, it has always been a dream of mine to work in sports. So came to Los Angeles in 1996 because, you know, ultimately you don't have to shovel in January, but more importantly at that time, there were incredible opportunities for young people in media and entertainment where I started my career. And I found as I rose the ranks and whether it was on the studio side or the agency side, anytime a client had a sports activation, I was their girl. And whether that was launching first of its kind, mobile games or fan interactions for all of the different sports leagues. I really loved and saw throughout my career how technology was changing the way that sports fans like me were interacting with not only their favorite sports teams, but the athletes themselves. And three years ago, I was very lucky to have the opportunity where, you know, after having worked for many years with big brands, and athletes themselves to say, hey, you know, throughout my brand experience, a lot of athletes have huge teams around them. But for niche sports athletes or sometimes Olympians or, or new athletes coming out of college, there wasn't always the support around them to help them grow their brand or interact with fans. And so I think, you know, for me, it was an opportunity to take all of the marketing, all of the branding, all of the product experience from 20 years in LA. And rather than try to go apply for a job at the Dodgers or the XFL or, or whatever's going on in the time to pursue my dream of working in sports, it felt like the right time to become an entrepreneur myself and start my own sports company. Oh my goodness. And I think there's certainly going to be a lot of learnings that you definitely captured over that time. My goodness, in LA too, of all places, like, of course, I may be biased because I live in LA as well. And we definitely know that this is the hotbed for sports. Um, but a lot has, a lot has changed. And 
there have been massive strides, especially when you think about, you know, leveraging technology to enhance the sport experience. And a lot has changed in itself, like that specific category for both spectators and athletes, right? It's like it's been able to impact so many groups inside the sports ecosystem. And you've got video technology and clothing and equipment, data tracking, media coverage, and so much more. So as we think about the industry, kind of think you're really like more of like macro level, right? In your perspective, how has the broader category of sports tech changed over the past couple of years? I would have to say the biggest monumental change in sports in the past two years is NIL, hands down, name, image, and likeness. I think it's changed everything, right? And so I think you're always going to have technology that's innovating how we track sports, right? Or performance or health. But NIL was so unique because it changed the way athletes were able to look at their own brands and IP earlier on in their sports careers, that they no longer had to wait until they signed a big agent, you know, a few months before going into a draft, right? That the minute they, you know, step foot on a campus or or a college campus, that they were able to say, I know in my core, I can build a brand, or I have wanted to help people, or I have followers that brands can tap to help influence others or to really at a young age, kind of like stake a claim on who they are, right? Or what they stand for and build a brand around it. So it's almost like instantly, I think the change is you gave college athletes a four year head start in the race to build their personal brand. Mm. My gosh, there's a lot that we're gonna have to speak about here because you're you're touching on some really even like core human fundamental benefits of NIL, where we are able to take out this like really inner entrepreneurial spirit that that these athletes have. You know, they're becoming their own bosses, they're creating their own businesses, which is incredibly inspiring, especially for the sport, because we recognize the true value that they're able to deliver, not only of course for the sport, but also for their local community. They, they are heroes in their local community. And I think that's one of the most inspiring thing, parts about it. And for those that may not necessarily know too, too much about NIL just, just yet, right? Let's kind of take it back to the history of, of NIL. It actually traces back to the late 2000s when former UCLA basketball player Ed O'Brien and 19 others sued the NCAA for not allowing athletes to make a revenue share from the use of their broadcasts and video games. Fast forward, we've got another pivotal milestone, right? In 2019, the state of California pushed an NCAA to make a move when state legislators enacted the Fair Play to Pay Act, which then moved again. Fast forward, of course, there's a lot of things in between there, but to the summer of 2021, when finally the NCAA Board of Directors adopted the opportunity for continued NIL activity. So there has been a lot of movement to this space. And I want to be able to touch on your perspective, you know, for those, of course, that may not necessarily be too aware about NAL and the value that NAL is bringing, because a lot of the times, too, like a lot of people are still thinking, like, oh, this is still such a new space. We're still trying to uncover what this actually means. What does this look like for you? You know, I think, in, and I appreciate your knowledge of the space and the history, and to take a step back, people might not be aware that from a government legislation standpoint, um, this has become such a big issue. And I... I always smiled at 
Congresswoman Lori Trahan, who was one of the key individuals in Congress leading the charge, is from my hometown of Lowell, Massachusetts, and was the captain of the Lowell High School volleyball team when I was on that team. And Lori, and I've, pr I've proudly said this, was truly one of the first women who I aspired to be like. She was our leader, she was our captain, and she went on to play D1 volleyball at Georgetown. And from her own experiences, she knew something wasn't right, that schools and universities were making an incredible amount of money off of these athletes, that athletes were held to very, very strict guidelines in terms of what they were allowed to do, not allowed to do, accept money, not accept money, which is very much what you led into. And then you fast forward and you have you know, the NCAA governing body, rather than just sort of going state by state or school by school, decided to get ahead of it and did change the game for all athletes. So regardless of, you know, D3, D2, D1, male, female, whatever sport that you are in, that athletes now have the opportunity to feel confident that they can make money and not do something where they are risking their eligibility. Because I think what's also very important to note is for so many of these athletes and many athlete conversations that we've had is that these scholarships or the opportunities to play at the, the highest collegiate sports level is life-changing for a lot of individuals. And I think what is most exciting about year two of NIL is I think in year one, many student athletes a little bit sat on the bench, right? They weren't quite ready to be like, all right, coach, put me in on the brand gig, right? You're, you're a freshman, right? So imagine that you're just like, I, I'm just trying to figure out how to get to the field where my practices are. I'm in the gym and I need to do my job when I'm on the court and, and I don't need to be posting on my social media about beef jerky or, or, whatever, or whatever it was. And I think year two, is an incredible moment of time for students to feel and see that a lot of times their athletic director, their coaches, and their schools for the most part are supporting it, that boosters and sponsors are forming collectives and starting to figure out compliant ways to help athletes get gigs or be supported through gigs or through you know brand work that they can do. And I think some of the athletes who sat on the sidelines saw some of their friends, you know, do really fun, whether it was fan engagement or activities or, you know, maybe dabble a little bit in social media marketing. And it, and it kind of felt okay, right? Like nothing terrible happened. The world didn't end. You know, folks were still eligible. And I think for the ones or what we're most excited about in year two is an emphasis on creating opportunities for more than just football and basketball. And that schools want to create more opportunities for men, women, niche sports, you know, the primary sports. I think that that is what has excited me of, you know, even in an era that feels very wild west and no one knows exactly how it's going to play out. That in year two, I think year two is going to be about equitable opportunities for NCAA athletes. I love that. And I also love that too, that you're touching upon sport is so much more than the two modalities that we're all focusing on right now, right? We've got 
goodness, like the up and comer is like, my, I saw another day that pickleball is certainly becoming the top one. And I haven't played pickleball yet. So I haven't gone on that trend, but I promise you I will. I know I will. It's it's be certainly becoming the, the hottest topic right now, but you're really touching on a lot of really fascinating things. So I'm curious in your perspective. Um, there's a couple of things I definitely want to get your insights on here is as you think about how we're really shifting into like people are calling, you know, like the creator economy and like the athlete creator, even pre NIL days, we were starting to see that athletes were not necessarily, I wouldn't know if we would call like celebritizing them, but they really were becoming the influencers, right? So how is this changing the way that fans gravitate now to the collective like sports team or club? So I think what is most exciting is I think in the next few years, you are going to see a true shift from athlete creator to athlete entrepreneur. I, I, we believe that at Obsesh a thousand percent and that, you know, within the confines of creators, right? I think you think of that word, which naturally lends itself to TikTok and YouTube and the shift that you're going to see that will influence a lot of changes. Athletes are going to continue to use those traditional social media platforms to probably do a lot of brand work, right? There's data behind it. There's engagement. There's a very specific list of followers. You can track a promo code, but at the same time, blockchain technology is also changing the game for athletes to not be 100% reliant on social media platforms that blockchain can be used to create, mint, and track your own contracts, right? Which is a huge thing, I think, for athletes to to remove that barrier and to be able to have sponsors or brands or a local business come to you directly and work with you to create a special latte based on your name as an athlete for basketball season, right? And in Chapel Hill or wherever you're located. And so I think for athletes to say, and also maybe create um, and track on the blockchain, their own IP. Maybe there's a logo they've wanted to create. Maybe there's their own sort of brand or business. And now that brand or business could be digital merchandise. It, it could be that, you know, go then go into physical merchandise. And I, I do believe that you know, maybe not necessarily, I mean, sure, you're going to see athletes doing some NFTs, but I think athletes being really smart about using the blockchain for IP, for contracts, for, for making how they transact, work, engage with, and monetize small businesses and brands really easily. I think blockchain technology is going to be a big one to drive that. In addition to like, all right, they'll still probably post on Instagram (laughs) and still do those things as well. I love that. That's exactly right. Because what what really gets me super excited about this space is the fact that we're really making it more long lasting, right? We're constantly talking about it's been the age old tradition, right? That the athlete life cycle is so, so short. How can we collectively extend the life cycle of the athlete. And this is how we're able to do so, leveraging tech to not only extend the fans' experience, but also the athlete experience. So along those same lines, because I always want to put it to the full perspective, right? If I'm in the if I am an athlete entrepreneur, I'm gonna have to continue saying that too, by the way. You are exactly right. I've got to start shifting away from athlete creator if it's an athlete entrepreneur, because that is so much more appropriate and so accurate. So in your perspective, 
what would you say are some of the biggest challenges and I guess recommendations that you might have to be able to overcome them if I'm in the lens or the hat of an athlete entrepreneur? I think the biggest challenges, you know, before technology was ta- was starting to change the game was it needed to be asked, there needed to be a convenient way for athletes to sell products. There also needed to be an easy way to manage contracts. The athletes wanted to get paid quickly and they also need education and support. And so when you're able to use technology, and this is a big thing that we worked extremely, extremely hard on at Obsesh and in our own, in our, we are in our own, you know, Obsesh 2.0 version and growing our marketplace to be more geared towards NIL. We quickly realized athletes need one platform versus seven. So if you can go to one destination and do anything from brand gigs to coaching working in small businesses, creating IP and tracking it and doing events and even coaching and mentoring, that that's going to be making it your life a lot, of e- a lot easier. It also needs to be really easy for you to get on and do an easy setup and start selling easily. You need to get paid easily. And I think athletes are at the point where they don't have time to do a gig for a sponsor and then chase down an invoice for six months. They need an easy way to do contracts. So even if someone is pre-law, it is still challenging to create terms, put that in a contract and follow it. So contracts need to be plug and play. And, you know, a freshman showing up in their first week in college might not know how to build a brand, right? Or know how to do social media marketing or to just create a persona that a brand would be attractive to a brand that's authentic to them. And I think providing the education and the tools, which was another big area we had to go deep in, that if you provide that education and the support, that's also a game changer for athlete entrepreneurs. Because it's, and again, what's so great about NCAA athletes is you're already in student mode, right? You're already so excited about learning. You're used to working at digital courses used to be given like quick things of like, okay, what do I do to be successful in this class? Or what do I need to follow? What do I need to read? What's my group project? And so I think they are especially in the right frame of mind and they're very influenced by peers. So I think if you are on a bus traveling to a basketball game and you're like, man, you're killing it on Instagram. What are you doing? It's, you know, they're going to share tools that they're doing because a lot of times the, the athletes are so incredibly individual and specialized that they're not even competing with each other, even though they're on the same team and, they, and they're in the same sport. Mm. There's a lot that these athletes, athlete entrepreneurs are going to have to think about here. So let's kind of talk about the solution. So I'm assuming, shameless plug, of course, I'll do the shameless plug for you for Obsesh. Let's talk about Obsesh. You know, we, we've been stating it a couple times here. Can you talk about a little more how is the platform supporting the current next generation of athletes? You know, how is it serving the market? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I mean, obviously, we're super passionate about it and have worked really hard to create a very simple sports platform for athletes 
to monetize and maximize name, image, and likeness when it comes to sponsors, brands, and fans. And it is very easy for them to, in one day, set up a profile and begin selling a host of digital products. And really those digital products are meant for them to be able to engage with a brand, help promote a local business. It allows them to do appearances and whether those are virtual or in real life, um, do social media marketing and even host their own fan clubs and communities. And I think when you put all of that in one place, you include plug and play technology that allows them to do contracts to host those products and then get paid immediately once the, you know, the gig or the contract or whatever the, you know, the digital product was that they were, that someone purchased from them, the fact that you can get paid right away, I think is, is a game changer. And a lot of that transacting in terms of how they're listing their products, interacting with the platform to get gigs and facilitate them is all done from their phone and they're setting their own pricing and they're able to sort of scale up or scale down depending on their season. And the other part of the platform that I am most proud of is that our roots are in coaching and mentoring. So for any athlete who does not in any shape or form identify or want to be, like we said, right, an athlete creator or the I word influencer, that athletes who, and especially this past summer after NIL, were able to go back home, coach on their old club team, do private or one-on-one lessons with, you know, local kids in their sport who have either followed them or just like, you know, are big fans of them or, or want to learn from them. That now these athletes, when they go back to school, have the digital products and the platform available to continue to coach, give analysis, give advice, one-on-one remote mentoring with those younger athletes who they were working with and do it during the school year. And again, set their own pricing, do it on their own terms and do it from their cell phone and get paid, right? And not have to manage the money. Like, cause you can't imagine to be like, um, I can't accept credit cards and I'm just trying to get to the cafeteria for dinner. So, uh, you know, making it easy for male, female, lots of different types of athletes, niche, niche sports athletes to be able to get on a platform and have it be really simple and simple technology, remove the contract barriers, give the support and the education we've seen has been uh, a big game changer for a lot of athletes. This certainly is because... And I didn't even intentionally do this when I asked the question, but it's funny because now as I think through it, you really are serving both the current and then also the next generation of athletes. So it's like this very, I don't even know if it's like a cyclical, if that's the right appropriate term for this, but it's like you're able to serve and be able to to provide athlete entrepreneurs with not only the autonomy to be able to make their own business decisions and create their own businesses, um, but also the sense of empowerment too, to be able to manage their own brand identity, which is quite frankly, their personal identity as well. That's also, that's incredibly important because that needs to be authentic, 
but then also empowering this next generation or even the, the next wave of athletes, right? Empowering our youth and really being able to unlock this new sense of like access, I guess is probably the most appropriate term, um, sense of access for athletes who probably were not part of NRL, right? Or still growing or still developing into the entrepreneurs that they're going to become. Is that right? Yes, that's a great point. And I think access is also a great sort of springboard to discuss not only are fans trying to access these athletes and when I think when you're talking about college athletes, but alumni, sponsors, boosters are also trying to access these athletes and and support them. And and so also at the same time, you sort of have one side of the marketplace, which are the athletes who who need that platform to build businesses and get, you know, the different gigs and sell their products. And then on the other side of the platform, in a world where compliance is so important, the boosters, alumni, and sponsors need a platform to be able to work with the athletes, right? And do it in a way that it's tracked and managed and opportunities are given to a wider group of athletes or that people even know there's more athletes. They're like, I wouldn't even know how to reach the, the women's fencing team or, or whatever it was, right? That that now you can. And it, yeah, I mean, I think just the the other side of, of NIL that is discussed, there's mm-hmm. sort of the athletes and then there are the groups of supporters of athletes at the individual universities that are forming across the country, like daily and forming, forming daily. That's exactly right. I've always had this visual in my head of the athlete actually unlocks the player network, and that's inclusive of their teammates, their coach, alumni, the fan base, their parents, and it's like this even like even a greater, greater role that we're able to provide. My goodness. So it sounds like uh, your team at Obsesh certainly just uh, is only gets a little a couple things on their plate right now. <laughs> uh, but I definitely want to. I'm also curious too, as you're thinking about continuously building Obsesh, I'm sure that since then you've been able to experience a lot of learnings, especially at you. I remember looking back and seeing that you also closed a pre-seed round in the middle of the pandemic. Congratulations. So what would you say are some of your top learnings so far? Gosh, um, you know, in a startup, I often joke that you just... To truly be a founder, like probably the number one thing on a job description is almost like you're like a masochist when it comes to problem solving, like on, on a daily basis. And whether those are technical issues or, or team issues or, or just whatever it is, right? And I think, you know, for us, one of the biggest learnings we've had and something I, I look at us now and am most proud of is the importance of getting very focused, you know? And I think a lot of times as companies, there are 35 things that you want to do that you could do and would probably have a need for someone at some point. And I think we as a company and knowing that we wanted to grow and offer more products went really deep into the college space talking with athletes, doing the product testing, understanding what the needs were, and then sort of looking at what were reasons why 
a brand, a sponsor, a local business would work with those athletes, get those product done and really make sure and get focused on a marketplace where we could offer those products and launch quicker because, you know, each, each new season brings new athletes and, and new interest in the space. And, you know, you, I think like anything, you always feel like with a startup, right, that you can't possibly move faster. And a big learning for us was go find the right partners in that focus that will help you accelerate and almost almost like a personal relationship truly make you better, right? And I think we were very lucky at Obsesh to partner with a technology, blockchain technology company out of Boston called Beezy. And they help power our expanded NIL marketplace, which lives, uses, um, and is based on blockchain technology. And having a team that has meshed so well with ours, and I've seen, and I think that's just the best learning of find amazing partners get, get in deep with them, run. And if it's working again, probably like any relationship run and never look back. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. There's so many things from personal side. (laughs) Don't overthink it. Just go, just go. But I think that that's been, that's been a big learning for us that in addition to how critical focus is that amazing partners are game changers. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. And on the lines of Obsesh, I'm sure that you all are working on such incredible, incredible events too. So any exciting things coming up that we can expect from yourself and the team? Oh my gosh. I think what we're most excited about is we'll be launching in the next couple of weeks, our expanded NIL marketplace. You're going to start seeing within that marketplace collections that are based on amazing collectives that are supporting some of the top student athlete programs across the country. And we're going to be announcing soon our first league partnership that we are extremely excited about. So for us, we're always going to be looking at ways to bring athletes onto the platform at scale and then bring, you know, whether it's collectives or organizations or partners that come with the dollars that are supporting those athletes, like making sure that we're always having an emphasis on connecting the two. And I think where we will win is continuing to align ourselves with partners who all have that same mission. And even if it's not, you know, doing the exact same thing or different technology or someone is a league or a team or, or a new entity, that all of these, these partners have that same goal of helping athletes be better, do more, build their brand, have opportunities. Because I think this, this sort of day and age of the stories that came out three or four years ago about Olympians not being able to afford even to go another year to get to the Olympics, that, that no athlete should shouldn't be able to pursue their dream because there isn't any way to make money at it. So I think if, if, if we change that or all work together to improve that, then, then we're winning. 
I don't even know how I can respond after that. It's just inspiring to see that you're really tackling two like very, very critical challenges, extending the life cycle of the athlete and then also extending the life cycle of the game, the sport. The sport is changing and NIL is only going to help it, is only going to help it. I can't reiterate that enough. Well, this has been incredibly insightful, John. So final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is desiring to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? I think the advice I most give to people, and I think there's two, especially women, is if you want to become an entrepreneur or a founder, I encourage you to take that leap. Uh, because we certainly need more female founders. And I, I definitely was probably older in terms of, of getting in and doing it where I had already been in my career for 20 years and had two kids. And it was a big mindset change to evolve from PR consultant to entrepreneur. But I am so proud that I did it. And I think the advice that I also have for people is, don't put your passions aside to become an entrepreneur and that those passions are so important to fuel you, which is essentially work-life balance, right? So I think for me, um, continuing to play volleyball competitively or continuing to do Spartan racing when we were first getting this company up and fundraising, that keep doing those passions. Like through those passions, you are going to meet people. They are going to continuously teach you work ethic and team building skills, or that you can push your own limits to do things you might not have thought was possible. And so I think a lot of times it's like, I'm going to work 48 hours a day and I'm not allowed to go to the gym or do this thing that I liked. And I think I just really want to encourage as many people as possible to almost, you know, passion harder because it's mission critical as you're building a company because it's potentially going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. Oh my gosh, that is beautiful. It's it's called where like work-life balance for a reason, right? Because doing one should help you be better at the other. And uh, so much, so much that I've learned from you today, John. So thank you so much for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out Obsesh, the marketplace connecting consumers and top athletes through personalized video messaging, live stream online classes, and so much more, by the way. Looking to hear more what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry, subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.